Today's episode is brought to you by FRW Studios, a damn fine design studio as fresh and authentic as the beer you brew. FRW Studios has created killer can designs for dozens of brewers we love, including The Lost Abbey, The Hop Concept, Port Brewing, and so many other craft favorites. Creative director Julie White has happened to design the 15th anniversary Stone Brewing's book, as well as over 20 books for the Brewers Association. In fact, the Brewers Association says Julie is authentic, creative, reliable, and hands down one of the best graphic designers they've worked with. So send them your brand and they'll send you back an original design that fits it or takes it to the next level, if that's what you're into. Hop on over to unitedwedrink.com slash FRW Studios to see what the buzz is about. And while you're at it, download FRW's Crash Course in Branding for tips and tricks of the trade. Everyone who downloads the PDF will automatically qualify for a chance to win a custom design for your next project. Now that's something to drink about. You make the beer taste good. FRW Studios makes it look good. The opinions and statements in this podcast do not represent those of the hosts, employers, co-workers, family, or imaginary friends. Now enjoy the show. Happy hour? More like amateur hour. Welcome to United We Drink. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast with more leftovers than your turkey day dinner. Welcome to United We Drink right here on unitedwedrink.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever fine podcasts are found. My name is Mike Urevich. I'm a stuffing connoisseur and a hater of candied yams. Don't at me. I am joined today by only one of my two normal co-hosts of the show. His idea of giving thanks is telling you to go fuck yourself on Twitter and falling asleep early from that rush. Here is Joel Codner. Oh, Mike, you always have the best intros for me. <laughs> I try. I try hard. Uh, Phil is currently away on a top secret special assignment at the Riptide Music Festival on Fort Lauderdale Beach. He'll be back to join us on next week's mini episode. Um, thank you, everyone, who continues to listen to the show. It's really awesome to see people c coming back and wanting to listen to this week after week after week. Um, it really means a lot to us. Um, what are you drinking today, Joel, for today's episode? I've got a big cup of coffee because we're recording in the morning this time. <laughs> that we are. And I'm drinking a Campari soda. Because nice. I felt like this was probably the most morning thing that I could drink that I have in uh, my house. I don't have any stuff to make uh, a Bloody Mary. Um, Joel is going to take the spot of Phil for talking about the news. So uh, let's see if we uh, talk about any seltzer. <laughs> no seltzer this week. I mean, there's a little bit of news out there for that, but I mean... It's always the same shit. More and more seltzer, more brands making seltzer, millions and millions of dollars being spent on seltzer. Who gives a shit? It's all the same. Uh, but the big news this week, New Belgium acquired by Kieran-owned Lion Little World Beverages in an all-cash deal. I think this came as a huge surprise to everybody, New Belgium being known for uh, being uh, an employee-owned craft brewery this whole time, and now it's all over. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of people out there who assume when you say that you're uh, employee-owned, 100% employee-owned, that you're sellout-proof. And uh, that's that's not true because uh, employees could very much want to uh, be a part of a, uh, a nice payday as well from the sale. And especially if they believe that the company that will be purchasing them can really help the company in the long run, uh, I I could see a lot of employee owners saying, sure, this sounds like a great thing, or hey, the holidays are coming up. This will help uh, give a really nice Christmas or, or whatnot to my family. Um, 
It, it's very surprising, yes, but because we've, I think I could speak for you slightly here by saying New Belgium's a brewery that we look up to so much for their uh, long history of quality in beer, the way they treat their employees, their commitment to being environmentally friendly, um, so much good stuff that that company portrays. Um, It is a little shocking. It's shocking, and I hope things don't change very much. And I, you know, I've I've followed a lot of New Belgium employees online on Twitter, and and they seem to be saying a lot of positive things. Mm -hmm. Um, They seem confident, and very little will change. And I mean, look at other breweries, whether it's you know like Firestone Walker or, or Boulevard getting folded into the whole Duvel thing, or whatever it is i mean yeah ownership changes where they brew the beer can change you know i I think goose island started making 312 in st louis or something like that yeah things change but i i don't i don't see a lot of like overall change happening at least from what i'm hearing from a lot of employees so far um you know i I don't think they're going to start ripping all of the like hybrid uh, car charging stations out of the parking lot. Now, you know what I mean? Like, come on, but that's the way everyone's acting online. Of course, you've got the usual contingent of naysayers and haters and people yelling sellouts and all that horse shit. I, I love New Belgium. I'm happy for them. You know, I don't know what it means 100% for everyone working there. We obviously found out that not everyone was in on the uh, ESOP or the uh, Employee Stock Ownership Program is that what it stands for? I I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that obviously puts them in a precarious position. Uh, I can't imagine how it must feel if you just joined New Belgium. Um, but I, I mean, you and I both know and have met some people who have worked there for well over twenty years. Yeah, and it seems like they'll do very well from this. I'm reading things like some people could get anywhere from a hundred thousand to a million dollars, which is just fucking nuts. I don't know if that's available now. I don't know how any of that stuff works. No. I don't know if they have We're... to get it later, but I mean, still to you know put your your life into something and 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 for a company and get something back from it. I mean that that's a big deal. It it really is, and I know some of the the longer standing employees, yeah, like you said, are probably going to be be pretty well taken care of out of the whole thing. I also I also have enjoyed seeing how a lot of them have been taking this so well on their social media accounts, like seeing people like uh, Andrew Emerton and Maddie Smooth making cracking jokes about it yeah. too. Like, I think it was uh, Andrew Emerton who had said, like, well, I guess I'm drinking Four Roses tonight because they're they're owned by the same company. Uh, Matty Smooth being like, oh, Brian Roth didn't even make a, a pun about this whole thing <laughs> for us. Uh, like, it, it's fun to see them being able to have fun about this whole thing, too. Um, and, and like you said, I know that there's some employees that probably aren't very happy because they're in their first year of uh employment and from last i heard uh, your stock options don't start kicking in until your one year anniversary at the company but you know what them's the rules and you know that going in and uh it's it's okay to feel a little bit bitter about it internally and maybe with your loved ones your friends and family but you know, when it what it all comes down to is you agreed to those terms and you knew what what came into that and no one forced you to go work there. So it's an unfortunate situation, but it it happened. And now, like, hopefully you can get back back uh, on the horse and keep working for uh, the company that you are super thrilled about working for and uh, keep being a part of making awesome beer and an awesome culture in the uh, beer business. It's very well said. I, I think it's still a huge opportunity to work for an industry-leading craft brewery, whether or not you want to call them craft or not now, whatever. Like They make some absolutely unbelievable beer. I think it was Maddie Smooth the other day. What did he say? Like Up until recently, they hadn't had any you know, issues with like dumping beer. He, he oh, yeah. mentioned on our, on our own, uh, Instagram account. He mentioned how they had to dump some beer. 
because we talked yeah. about that on the last mini episode. Right, and they were so, you know, they know what they're doing. Like, they had such a good streak going that I think his point was like, you know, it wasn't until recently. I almost wanted to joke with him, like, don't tell Kieran that. that you just <laughs> dump some beer. You know, did they find out before the deal went through? Uh, but um, it, it's still a huge opportunity to work for a great brewery, regardless of ownership. I mean, if you have the opportunity to work for them and, and learn how they do things, I think that's huge. And I think there's a reason why they've been able to retain so many people for decades now. And the people I've met have been nothing but warm and inviting. And, you know, I mean, I had a tour there almost exactly a month ago in uh, Asheville, and it was unbelievable. They took us through the whole place, showed us everything, answered every question. I mean, and we were nobody's in the grand scheme like you didn't have to set aside two hours for us i mean we're not anybody big we're we're, we're nobody and and they were so hospitable and, and really took care of us and it was it was wonderful and and i know some independently owned you know craft artisanal independent whatever you want to call them brewers that have been fucking dicks to us so yeah you know i like you know it's no secret. I, I've said before on the show, independent doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot to me. To me, it's more about the beer and how, you know, the companies behave. And it, it's not so black and white when it comes to ownership. So uh, I'm still rooting for New Belgium. I'm not going to stop buying the beer. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes of this. Same here. Um, I, I have no reason to uh, want to stop drinking their beer. And... Uh... Unless they make huge uh, employee changes by letting go of people, then we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get to it. But hopefully that doesn't happen. And uh, congratulations to the people at New Belgium, and uh, hopefully this makes their company stronger and better. Yeah. So moving on, we have another acquisition: Artisanal Brewing Ventures to acquire Bold Rock Hard Cider. I haven't heard of either of these guys. Have you? <laughs> Well, Artisanal Brand Ventures is the is the group that uh, owns uh, Victory, Six Point, and Southern Tier. Oh, uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that. Southern Tier and Victory merged uh, a few years ago to create or were purchased by like a, a capital investment capital place, and they merged to create this company. They purchased Six Point uh, a year or two ago, and now. Uh, they're go ahead and buying uh, Bold Rock. Uh, I, I've never heard of Bold Rock before this, but they also have a seltzer line. Ah, uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. Um. So that's that's probably the the big point in this whole thing is giving this uh this company now a step in the right direction with that segment of the beverage industry. Uh, they have ciders now, and they have seltzers now, and n- none of those other three breweries have to necessarily dip their feet into that market. They can just keep doing what they are known for doing and making uh, high-quality beer. And are those the only breweries? Because I remember you mentioned the other day how the photo in that article looked like it was thousands of brands. It, I mean, it. Those are the only uh, companies involved in it, but it's just, it's such a weird photo, the the official press release photo, because it's like, here's cider on top of resin next to No Brainer and Golden Monkey that has seltzer on top of it and Hootie and more cider and then Southern Tier IPA and Fog. It's just like really weirdly set up just from a, uh, like, I, I'm not a photography uh, buff by any means, but just from my own eye, it looks weird and cluttered. But it is technically only four companies in there, but there's a whole lot of different brands within them on there. Gotcha. And it, I mean, it it seemed to have come out of nowhere because it feels like it's been very quiet on the cider front these days, especially with seltzer being all the rage. Yeah, that, that's very true. I remember what it was like four, five years ago, seltzer was on such a, or cider was on such a, a trend upward and then it just plateaued. Um, I, I don't know what necessarily happened there, but, uh, I think that the main point of this acquisition is the seltzer brand. Um, the cider is just probably a happy, uh, uh, second option to it, even though that the company is, is hard cider in their name. 
And I remember a few years ago uh, at our last brewery when cider seemed to be blowing up and it was like the fastest growing segment. Yeah. And our, our last boss was like, hey, go learn how to make cider quickly. And it was like, uh, okay. And then nothing ever came of it. Probably well, probably a good move. Yeah. And luckily for us there um, in Florida, breweries uh, with their brewer's license can't make cider you need to have a winery license, which a brewery can hold, but it needs to be a separate facility. So, uh, yeah, that, that kind of made our job a little easier on not having <laughs> to uh, learn that much about cider. Didn't have to go out and source a bunch of Florida apples. <laughs> I don't think there's such a thing as Florida right. apples. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that the, the big take out of that acquisition is the seltzer line. Yeah, and uh, our good buddy Phil, in his absence, sent us uh, our last piece of news. I can't make heads or tails out of half of it because this is his department. He's the sales, <laughs> scan, data, IRI, FMB, all you know, all those fucking acronyms. Uh, but uh, basically, the gist of it seems like you know, it's, as it says, it's looking like another year of low single-digit growth for craft in IRI scans. Uh, total craft trends are pretty consistent across the board. Uh, what else? Did it, uh, it seems like Sierra Nevada was picking up steam up 6.9%, nearly double its year to date. Uh, and up three point, I don't even know what the fuck is MULC. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But the, Damn it, Phil, where are you? The dollar trend is up 7.6%. Uh, that, yeah. that must be a good thing too. <laughs> And the, and the article is salespeople. We really know what we're talking about here. <laughs> right. Uh, but it also says New Belgium was was uh, crushing it, too, uh, even prior to the announcement of this deal. Right, right. So uh, it looks like uh, Kieran snatched them on the way up. And, uh, you know, that, that part of it, which I didn't mention in the New Belgium part of the news, was surprising because, you know, the guy that was giving us the tour – uh, in Asheville, you know, he, he, I guess maybe he was a bit humble, but he was just like, you know, things are okay for us. He recognized the looming threat of seltzer and, you know, how, uh, you know, a brewery of their size is not entirely as experimental as, you know, like you, you don't see new Belgium doing triple mashes and 14 hour boils and silly shit like that. So it, it doesn't seem like they're doing the same stuff that the tiny guys are doing. But, you know, he, he, he made it seem like they were doing okay, but nothing crazy. But, I mean, these, these numbers seem to indicate they're doing a lot better than he said. It's double-digit um, growth for them. Yeah, which is, you know, it, today is huge. Uh, and, you know, the article goes on to mention, once again, artisanal brewing, uh, Canarchy, Firestone Walkers, some of these you know, larger groups of brewers are doing very well. I think it's interesting how uh, they're really pushing hard on these mixed brewery six packs and 12 packs because part of me would think that would almost be a turnoff. Um, but people seem to be going for that as well. I mean, thinking back to our early days of getting into beer, making the, the, the mixed six packs, Here's someone pre-making a mixed twelve pack for you, kind of like they're doing some of the work for you. Uh, I, I feel that that's that can be intriguing to people who just want to try new things. And I have seen people talk about how they got those. Uh, they did an IPA pack, uh, Canarchy, that had like Kyli and um, a Perrin IPA, and uh, I think it was like Cano Bliss and. I can't remember who the fourth one was from. Phil would definitely know. Uh, but people were like, oh, this is so cool to finally get to try some of these new IPAs from breweries that I've never heard of or have heard a lot from. It was an opportunity for people to try Hialai um, yeah. for the first time. It's it's a weird thing when we think about it as production brewers and the logistics that have to go into uh, constructing packs like that in, in such huge quantity because they're not just coming through the canning line as like, Oh, here's, here's one, two, three, four, five, six, those six beers now. All right. Perfect. Easy. Put them in the, in the box. Now, like you gotta, you gotta do all of one brand, all of another brand, all of another brand, and then bring them all back out and assemble the packs. Like that's a lot of manpower it feels like I know for these bigger breweries, there's probably streamlining in place. Yeah, There's definitely but, some automation, but it's, it's 
to me from the production standpoint just that's that sounds scary to me if uh, a boss is like we're gonna I mean you and I did it a little bit at our our last brewery we did some experimenting with mixed six packs that we just did in the tasting room and those were a bit of a pain to do on such a small scale so but I I do think that it's it's something that uh that people certain people can find intriguing and want to uh, uh send the cash out to buy yeah, and it, it seems to indicate in this uh, article that, you know, Canarchy is putting up probably the best numbers out of everyone, up 27.8% year to date. Uh, right behind them, Firestone Walker. Um, I, I I don't even know, like, how far Canarchy's reach is right now. Is it is it totally national? Because I've seen a lot of people drinking high ally all over the country now, which is great. I think um, it depends on the brand uh, within the the umbrella. I think that Oscar Blues is in all 50 states, or at least all continental 48. Um, Cigar City's in the 30s, I think, uh, for the amount of states that they're in. And then, yeah. like, you got was Perrin and the uh, 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 Deep Ellum uh, in Texas. You got uh, the, what's it, Squatters in Utah. And then their LA one, what's it, Three Weavers, I think it is? I think so. Um, I know that some of those ones probably don't have as much of the reach. Uh, the The Oscar Blues facilities make some of those beers and probably to help with home markets or regional markets to some of those brands. But Oscar Blues is definitely out there because I think, uh, isn't Dale's the biggest selling craft brand in the country like uh it's got to be up there i mean jesus christ it's everywhere where's phil when we need (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah and then cigar city's huge popularity i think has helped them uh with uh, being able to grow as much as they have uh within that that company it's amazing looking at the growth considering i mean i first tried their beer 10 years ago uh and I remember us like, like, oh my God, we're getting Hi-Li bottles. And now, oh my God, Hi-Li cans. Like that was the big deal. Yeah. And now it's like, it is fucking everywhere. And it's I great. remember the first six pack of Hi-Li that I got in cans. And I was like, this is so much better than of any bottle I've ever had of it. It was just like, <laughs> like eye-opening. And and I love the bottles too, but it was just like, wow, this tastes even better. Did they change the recipe or is the can doing it? <laughs> I used to uh, keep every single Cigar City bottle that I had. I did and too. I mean, all, all, all those large format bottles, holy yeah. shit. Like I had them all cleaned out and just, oh man, I was getting ready to move and I was like, I got to get rid of this shit. And I really <laughs> wish I had them because some of them, I mean, some of those classic Photoshop designs, I mean, oh my God. That old yeah. school, like, winter warmer. It almost looked like, you know, a, a Master P album. <laughs> or, like, yeah, 110K plus OT. Yeah. Uh, the Belita bottles and uh, Improvision. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, all right, enough memory lane. That's the news, I guess. We miss you, Phil. Come back. Yeah. Uh, save, save us from uh, sales <laughs> stuff that we don't really know about. So, our main topic for this episode is uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about getting into this industry. Obviously no one is just really starting out their whole life and career into the beer industry. You, you get it in somewhere in some way, shape or form. And uh, we wanted to share a little bit about our experiences in getting into this industry and uh it, it, like if things really um seem to go the way we thought they were differences things that opened our eyes and we were like wow this is very different than what we thought um Joel how about you you tell us about how you came about actually working in this industry I was in accounting which is a very glorified way of saying data entry uh and I was just sort of languishing in corporate America for about 15 years. 
after high school, you know, I dabbling in this school and that school, changed careers a few times, nothing ever really stuck. Um, did computer repair and construction and all sorts of different things. And um, one day I'm, I'm sitting in the cubicle and I had been into beer for a few years and, uh, you know, I'm just thinking like, I've got to get the hell out of here. I can't do this anymore. Uh, it was miserable. It was terrible. And there was no real direction, no, you know, it, it was a great place to work turned into a real shitty place to work in a few years when the economy was taking a dump and uh, our last brewery had opened and you and I were both working there part-time just to make some extra cash and uh, I believe you had gone on full-time uh, just before me and started yeah, to let me know. far uh, ahead. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you had let me know there was an opportunity in the brew house available and I'm just thinking to myself, like, I know it's a cut in pay. I know it's a step back, but I got to do something else. And, and I already enjoy being in the brewery. I had already tried to be there as much as humanly possible. I had started out there twice a month, you know, on Saturdays, and then that turned into weekly, and then that turned into twice a week. And I was just filling in for whoever I could. Anytime, a, you know, a shift opened up, I'd jump on it. I just, I loved being there. I wanted to be a part of it. And uh, when that full-time position opened, I thought to myself, you know, you and I had a long conversation about it and you put in a really good word for me. They seemed surprised that I would want to leave a corporate gig and, and get into the brewery, but I just had to get the hell out of there and uh, made the leap in, what was it, uh, March 2013 and just, you know, started at the bottom cleaning kegs Um you know, low hourly pay, just, just being the, the grunt worker in the shit heel. And, and that's, I feel like that's a good place to start. Um, because you learn a hell of a lot. Um, one thing I can definitely tell you is the industry adage is a hundred percent true. It is 99% cleaning and 1% brewing. Um, you know, I always tell people like, yeah, cause like, you know, f- for me, like brew days, you know, are, are sort of wrapping up when the tap room opens around four o'clock and, you know, people are coming in after work and stuff. So the most you'll ever really get to see me doing is hosing out buckets and spraying floors and shit like that. I mean, it's one thing people should definitely expect when getting into the industry is that it's not glamorous. I mean, you may get in with a real cool brewery and, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of high profile breweries and they're, 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 traveling worldwide even in their very early stages doing collaborations doing all kinds of fun stuff but you know the travel can suck the 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 all all of these different things that you got to do i mean they they can wear on you like i mean i remember going to my fourth or fifth cbc and i was like man fuck this i'd rather be home um you know there's we I, i feel like we could talk about this for hours but oh yeah um, you know, I, I think some, some good things to remember when you're getting into the industry is just remember, you know, it's not glamorous. You are expected to work hard. Definitely put the beer before yourself. The yeast don't give a shit that it's, you know, your kid's birthday or that you're just not feeling well today. I mean, like, don't go to work sick, don't work injured, stuff like that, obviously. And hopefully you work in a place that will allow you time off and and fuck hopefully have benefits um not all of them do it's a notoriously underpaying industry um benefits are pretty rare and uh, benefits and and good pay are so rare that when a brewery is doing it right it makes news i'll put it to you that way so you know check your ego at the door don't think you know better than the people above you or the ones that came before you you know definitely uh respect your elders in a sense and and you know be there to listen and learn and ask good questions you know don't just don't just be a robot and and go oh like you know because like different i remember for us like you know we had different people teaching us different things and you know one person would be like i want you to do this because this is the way it's done and then other people would be like well, this is what you do because this is what's happening and here's what's coming next. And, you know, laying out the whole logical process, which for me is a better learning uh, situation than just, you know, being told to do something and not understanding why. I always Learning like and memorizing why. are two completely different things. Yeah. And, 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 you know, repetition helps and muscle memory and all that. I mean, there's some things you could do now after years of doing it that's like you don't even think twice about it. But, um, you know, it helps to understand 
why you're doing what you're doing. So hopefully you're working in a place that's big on educating you, keeping your education going, and not just looking for a set of hands. Um, definitely don't volunteer. Get paid for your work. Um, it is a dangerous job. You're dealing with hazardous chemical. I mean, we've talked about this on the safety episode and, and in other episodes. It, it it's a serious business. I mean, you're you're it's 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 industrial. It's manufacturing. Think of yourself as being in a factory because that's really what it is. And you can get injured. You can get burned. I mean, there's all different sorts of things that can happen. You could die. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not exaggerating. It has happened. And we've talked about that. And, you know, so I think that I think that the overall gist for me is, you know, leave your ego at the door, expect to work your ass off, put the beer ahead of yourself, and uh, know your worth. Um, You know, don't, don't, don't succumb to the industry like thing about, well, you know, we just don't have money to pay. Like, if you don't have that, you shouldn't be employing people you know what i mean if if the per if the brewery tells you they don't have enough money to pay you then that's not a brewery that you work for plain and simple even even if you are new to this industry and they're looking for an entry-level position but are like yeah we can't we can't pay you then you don't work there that's fine that's that's up i know that that might sound like oh i'm passing up an opportunity well opportunity to do work should come with pay um, if, if you want to volunteer to do stuff, volunteer for events that they're doing where it's like pouring a beer, something like that, that is a little less dangerous than, uh, dealing with a keg washer that has two different types of compressed, uh, air going into it and, a uh, couple different hazardous chemicals involved in it, or dealing with bright tanks that have tons of pressure on them and and accidentally taking off the wrong butterfly valve uh could just end up with high pressure liquid coming at you get paid to do stuff that involves real danger uh, because yeah this is a dangerous job as we mentioned in the safety episode um i myself like i I started working at the the same brewery that Joel was mentioning. Um, I started uh, about two months after the opening of that brewery. I started working full-time in July of 2012 uh, after just working a day a week, uh, bartending on the weekends while doing uh, IT. That was my, that was my career. I was uh, in web hosting, server admin for about eight years prior to to that and I had a beer blog uh, that I started at one point and I started this podcast before working there the initial run of this show Uh, so I was I wanted to be in this industry I did some uh, interviews for positions that were open for distributors and suppliers like sales rep stuff and I'm glad I didn't get those jobs because I realize now I'm not a salesperson and I'm sure that there's brewers who are listening. Like you're always a salesperson for your, for your brand. Yes, that's true to a certain point. If, if there's a person at the bar who's like, Hey, you brew, like I can talk and and be salesy like that and talk about, talk up our brand, but going out and cold calling uh, a bar or trying to set up uh, programs for stuff like that. It's not, it's, it's not me. And I'm willing to admit that that's not me. I'm glad that I got uh, work on the other side of things. And I cleaned kegs. I filled kegs. I then got rolled into doing uh, more operation stuff. I was doing uh, graphic design. I was doing website uh, management. I was doing our taxes. I was doing so much different stuff. Uh, tried, uh, worked with Joel on scheduling. We worked with Joel and our salespeople on trying to do scheduling for uh, our, our seasonal and, and limited stuff. And, uh, and it's funny now, I'm, I've been working predominantly in the uh, production side of things with actually like being in the cellar uh, for the last couple of years. And yeah, I mean, 
we talked about last week or two weeks ago about how like, oh, just working in beer. It sounds so cool. You get to have beer at the end of the day, blah, blah, blah. But man, it's it's eye opening about how dangerous it can be there. Uh, it's eye opening to to see just how certain people are like you will work with people who have the same idea as you like I've been trying to get my foot in this door and some of them are super receptive and are like sweet awesome like we're working in beer and others might be very like hey you're trying to take my spot Uh, this was my spot and be confrontational and competitive towards you uh, about this and you might not want to be you're just like hey I'm I'm here too we there's enough room for both of us we are both here um, and sometimes you'll deal with troublesome co-workers uh, at times there's there's that happens in pretty much any industry where you have multiple people in, in your your business um, because just people will clash they don't have the same mindsets yeah it's no different than, you know, if you were working at a fucking Chipotle or the library or wherever else. I mean, people are people and, and they've got their own different personalities. Sometimes you, you clash, sometimes you don't. That's why I was really saying to just put the brewery and the beer before yourself. I mean, obviously not when it comes to like safety wise and, you know, your mental yeah. health and things like that. You know what I'm talking about. And yeah. check your ego at the door. Right. I, I don't know how many times in all of the jobs that I've had. You get like a home brewer coming in and trying to flex their muscle on you. And it's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, sure, I'm not, a, I wasn't, a, I, I homebrewed two batches in my life. I would not consider myself a home brewer. But just like when a home brewer will come in and be like, you know, I could, I could really help with things here. It's like, you're kind of slapping a person in the face by saying something like that. It's, it's, you're not going to get many people saying like, oh, sweet. Let me go. Let me go get the paperwork for you to fill out uh, your your W-4 and all of that, because you obviously know know so much more. Like, don't don't be a fucking dick to try to get yourself in the door and f- just go like, I'm I'm this, I'm that, blah, blah, blah. I can really help you. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember one of our previous employers almost automatically rejecting anyone who was putting stuff down like homebrew experience or recipe development or anything like that because, you know, it was their brewery and their recipes and they didn't want any of that tinkered with or, you know, they they were keeping things very close to the chest. And I mean, it's not to shit on homebrewers or anything like that because I think think if, if you're going in with some experience as far as fermentation and 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 all of the different ways you know to make beer if you have that knowledge it's a it's a great fundamental to have because i'm just saying be humble about it yeah for sure for sure you don't want to come into the interview and be like i can help you with you know fixing your ipa and stuff like that because like what do you mean what what's wrong with our ipa um well yeah it's it's definitely and i think people just have to have the right realistic expectations and hopefully you and I can provide some of that on this episode. I mean, I certainly don't want to make it sound like it sucks or like it's an industry you should stay away from, but there are certain things you want to look at. I mean, just like any job site will tell you, you know, like prepare for your interview and learn about the company. I mean, you should definitely do that with the brewery too. You know, just because they make your favorite hazy IPA or pastry stout or, you know, you're a regular there and you, you know the guys behind the bar, like, doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to translate into a good working environment or, you know, a a place where you can succeed. You know, you really want to know what the goals are, what their plan is, you know, are they, do they plan to grow? Do they plan to expand? How would you fit into all of that? Is there a growth opportunity for you or are you just going to be stuck at the end of the canning line slapping pack tax on six packs till the end of time? You know, um, you, you know, what about the ownership? I mean, are they good people or do they know about beer? There are tons of people in this saturated industry now that have no brewery experience, no business ownership experience, but, you know, they've got money, so they open a brewery and may have great success in the beginning, but, you know, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. So it's important to really know who you're working for and, and what their plans are. Because uh, you got to look out for yourself. You don't want to get blindsided by layoffs or you know leaving a career to 
go make beer and you're like, oh, this sucks. Like, this isn't what I was expecting. This isn't, it's not glamorous, guys. I mean, like I said, it's a lot of cleanings, long yeah. days. You know, it's, and not, not every brewery is the cleanest either. I mean, I've, I've been in some real shitholes that it's just like, fuck, I can't imagine spending all day back here. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, one thing you said a little bit earlier that, uh, with it's not glamorous, the whole idea of traveling and going to conferences and beer fests outside of the state or an event for a brewery outside of the state. That sounds so glamorous, but it can really take its toll on you after a while. I mean, I remember one CBC that you and I were at and by like the last day you were like, I need like all the Benefiber in the world <laughs> right now. Yep. It's just like, it takes a toll on your body, man. And, uh, like physically, emotionally, like you spend so much time away from your family, um, your, your friends, whatever, uh, sleeping in hotel rooms with probably not that uncomfortable of beds or not that comfortable of beds rather, um, because you're used to your own bed. You miss your, your, your wife, your husband, your kids, your dogs, your cats or whatnot. Um, uh, it, it's tough sometimes and some, you just want to go home by the end and be like, and, and hug a, lug, a loved one and be like, it's good to see you again. But it's, it's not all that super glamorous. It, it might be at first and be like, wow. And then, cause you have kind of the blinders on and you can only see what's directly in front of you. But man, by, by the time it's all said and done, you hurt all, all over in your brain and in, in your body. And it's just, nice to get back to, to normal. Yeah. And, you know, just like anything else on social media, most of the time breweries are only going to show you the good stuff. Um, you know, they, obviously they wear a spilling shit out of a fermenter and, and overblown blow off buckets all over the floor. You know, that's their new badge of honor, but you know, that's the little stuff, but you know, for the most part, it's all, you know, bro handshakes and collab photos and hey we're traveling here and here's all the cool stuff we're doing and you know i really respect the brewers and, and the brewery employees who are out there like painting a realistic picture of what's going on in their day and you know posting about shit like oh the glycol chiller went down and you know we're dealing with this we're dealing yeah. with that i mean like really spotlighting you know the stuff that really does go wrong and the things that can hamper your day i mean you know you you can look through my social media and i guarantee you there's no photos of me like crying in the office because i just had to tell my wife i missed my son's soccer game or or i'm going to miss it that night because something went wrong like I'm, i'm not trying to paint this picture like it's all doom and gloom or anything i'm just saying that it's not what everybody paints it as online not rainbows and bubblegum right, all the time. Right. It's not, you know, there, you can go through plenty of hardship. I mean, everyone has terrible days. There's all kinds of shit that can go wrong. And like I said, if you're putting the beer before yourself, you can't just go, oh, like I put in my eight hours. I'm going to go home now. You know, if something's wrong and, and you're there to fix it, like you should stay and help fix it and, and put that beer ahead of yourself and make sure things are done right. You know, there's a lot of... I've worked with some lazy people before who I just, like, I couldn't believe their mentality. Like, you know, just, I'm, t- I'm tired. I'm not going to do this. I'll, I'll put it off till tomorrow. It's like, well, if you put that off till tomorrow, you're going to offset the whole schedule. Like, what are you doing? Um, yeah. So, you know, like Mike said, it's not all sunshine and rainbows and shit. Just just do your, your due diligence. And if, if you're going to make the jump, you know, it's it's a big deal to consider. For me... I kind of felt like I had no choice. I was really trapped in hell. I hated it in corporate America. I was very miserable and I just didn't know what else to do. And I definitely credit, you know, saving beer with changing my life. I mean, I know that sounds very overdramatic, but, you know, I could still be sitting in that cubicle going nowhere, but, you know, I've, I, I made the jump and I know, I know it's very, uh, cliche and boring to everyone now you know we have over seven thousand craft breweries and people online talk shit all the time like oh oh another i left the fucking cubicle story big deal it's like you know what go fuck yourself because you know i left something i hated doing and i'm sorry you've heard this story a thousand times but you know this is what i did and this is what made me happy and this is what turned things around for me and I, i'm happy to say i've had some success since then and 
you know, I like, I don't know what story people want to hear these days. Like, it's not like my planet was dying and my parents sent me off to earth to brew fucking beer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like Superman. I mean, I don't know what you're expecting these days. I think if anybody can get out of something they don't like doing and follow something they love, I'm all for it. I just want people to be smart about it and not do anything they regret or get into something that they had the wrong expectations. Wait, so let me get this right. You're not Superman? <laughs> the fuck have I been doing with my life? I'm not even that... I've been <sighs> keeping I've been keeping, keeping kryptonite away from you on purpose because I'm like, this will kill Joel. <laughs> well, I guess I'll, I'll bring a stick next time Please I see do, you. Please do, and I'll show you where to put it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that it maybe could try to break down a couple like main points to to tell people who might be thinking about getting into the industry or really want to get into it because they're passionate about it and uh if if i could give a couple like bullet points it would mainly be listen a lot listen to what you're being told and absorb what you're listening to when you do talk for a while Ask questions, ask good questions, ask why that thing that you've been told to do needs to be done that way. And then listen again, absorb that information, learn it, uh, be humble. Don't, if you got an ego, check it out the door or don't even bother because even if you are a little bit right some people just are not going to like to hear stuff like that from an interviewee. Um, you might be able to to bring an issue like that up later on after you start learning and you start gaining uh, the trust uh, of the employer and the employees that you're there with, and then maybe can help. It can help lead into something good and better uh, at that time, and. Uh, a lot of this just goes along with things that we talked about with with safety and consumption and and work life balance and it's just like take care of yourself watch watch out for all of the temptation that might be there in the industry that could uh hurt one's physical mental emotional state uh just be safe and uh yeah, and definitely don't think that this is a glamorous job because it's fucking not. You're going to sweat a lot. You're going to probably have stuff grow where you don't want it to grow. <laughs> your, feet will, your feet will be gross. Your hands will be rough. Um, yeah. Do you have an example, you know, from your own personal story of something that surprised you or like you got into the industry and you were like, Oh, that that's not what I expected. That's, I, I didn't realize that or something like that. Uh, I, I would probably say the stuff dealing with distributors was a lot more shocking than I really thought. I mean, I was of the belief that like the, the, the distributors are your friends. They, they want to, they want to sell your beer and, and build, help build your brand. And, why that can be true, they're not. They're not your salespeople. They are. They are employees for the distributors. They sell lots of beers, and they don't have one particular one that necessarily needs to be sold more than the other, unless it's affecting their paycheck. Um, you need to have feet out on the the streets selling your brand, and then them talking to the distributor and being like, look, I sold into this place. We're working on a program with this chain because the distributor is not going to go to that chain and be like, Hey, you want to, uh, do a program with a brewer X, Y, Z. No, you have to do that. Your people need to do that. And then let the distributor know so that they can make it logistically work. Um, yeah, the distributors aren't as much of your sales team as I originally thought they were. What about you? Uh, sometimes I just have like revelations later on, um, where I think back and I'm like, man, maybe this person or that person didn't know as much as I thought they did or, 
I, I don't know how to explain it without sounding shitty about it, but it's like, yeah, we said check your ego at the door and all that stuff. But at the same time, be curious and like Mike said, ask questions, ask good questions, be concerned about, you know, what happens next after you, you know, flip this lever or pull this button. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I always tell people there's no level 100 brewer you know there yes there are some amazing unbelievable brewmasters out there who could probably tell you everything from memory but i think it's a constant learning process people are always you know as this industry grows people are always uh changing their processes developing new uh ways of doing things i mean i mean just like all the changes we've seen in ipa in the last few years and how people do things i mean a lot of it goes completely contrary to what you and i learned in the beginning about you know dry hopping and and uh different hopping techniques and things of that nature so always be learning always be willing to you know learn something new you know order that book you see online you know get into uh, there's all kinds of shit online. One of my favorite things is just to look in the back of the issue of New Brewer and see what the brewer they're interviewing like has to say advice oh, yeah. wise. Like there's always little gems in there, and that's why I keep those issues. Um, you know, learn. I remember one that we found about dry hopping technique from a guy from Fatheads in the back of one of those issues, and it was like why didn't we think of that? Yeah. Like it made so much sense. Yeah. And, you know, you can go work for a brewery and spend a bit of time there and, you know, they have their one way of doing things. You know, there's a lot of egos in this business. Some people don't want to change their ways or think that, you know, they're doing just fine the way they're doing and there's no need for improvement. But I think there's always room for improvement. I think you can always fine tune and, and, and upgrade and all those things. So, um, you know, keep your keep your ego in check, but always be learning. Always be wanting to learn more than the next guy if he doesn't want to learn. I, I think the evidence in that is the fact that you can go to CBC year after year and see some of the most impressive brewers in the world going to seminars and learning uh, new stuff, trying to expand their knowledge about this industry. Yeah, some of them are giving talks, but... You can go in and see Wayne Wambles or, or Tommy Arthur sitting in on seminars and trying to learn. Uh, yeah, no one, no one knows everything in this industry. And even something that you might know, some new way of doing it might make your day so much easier and make your beer so much better. I'm always open to learning more. And for the most part, you know, the industry is mostly filled with good people. And those good people will always want to give you a helping hand and, you know, tell you how they do things. If there's somebody who's being like super secretive about shit, it's like, you know, it's like our buddy Matt Manthe at Oddbreed said one time, it's like, we're not magicians. We're, we're not fucking David Copperfield here. Like, it's okay to tell each other how we do things. Like, legally, I can't give you like a recipe to one of my beers at my current brewery. But I mean, even if I did you're not going to exactly create it at home. Like even if, you know, you try to replicate everything, like every brewer just has their own little nuance and their own little touch on things. I mean, I don't know what people are so afraid of when it comes to sharing information or recipe help or any of that stuff. You know, sometimes there's egos and shit like that, but um, definitely leave the beer snob shit at the door. And hopefully you're not getting into a brewery that promotes that culture. You know, we've seen a few of those. Um, you know, if you, if you notice that your coworkers and your ownership and management are just like actively shitting on other breweries, get the fuck out of there. Don't help promote that. Don't help. Or trading or selling their own beer. Yeah, that shit's gross, man. I mean, you know, it's, it might be tough, but you know, if you're going to get into this business, get into, you know, a brewery that really promotes good culture and, and community involvement and positivity and, and all that good stuff because if if you're not man it's it's going to be no different than being at your last shitty job whatever that was yeah anything else that you want to add into this before we wrap this up it'll be interesting to hear what well because phil's gonna want to chime in on this next week uh because he got to miss it but anything you want to add in i just want to say that 
anybody has questions or anything like that, I'm always here for them. Um, you know, I don't know everything and I'm not the best prognosticator when it comes to the future of business and where things are going and trends and shit like that. But, uh, you know, I'm always happy to help and, um, you know, I'm here if uh, anybody has questions. Same here. Same here. Always feel free to reach out. And if I don't know an answer, I can try to point you in the direction to someone who could answer your question. All right. So I think it's about time for us to head into our last calls, uh, the point in the show where we each give each other an unspecific amount of time to just uh, talk about something uh, uninterrupted, unopposed. And uh, Joel, why don't you uh, go ahead? Uh, I just, not to be a downer or anything, but uh, I just want to say that the entirety of November has just been complete dog shit. I cannot wait to get this month over with. I'm very much looking forward to going into the holidays and, you know, having some Christmas cheer and all that good stuff. Um, This month has just been a fucking disaster and I can't wait to get it over with. Um I want to wish everybody listening uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Hope you're well. Hope you've got some good food this coming weekend. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, it hasn't been the best month for me, as I said, but I'm trying to find ways of turning that around. And, uh, you know, if I can't have good shit happen to me, then I'm, I'm trying to at least help good shit happen to other people. And, um, you know, I, I find myself doing stuff like donating more this time of year and, you know, contributing to food drives and shit like that. And, you know, that, that stuff really helps me feel better when things are going wrong. So, uh, I hope everybody else can do that too. You know, try to make a difference for someone else. If, uh, you know, things aren't going well for yourself, helping others always, uh, helps you. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you know, what, what, what I was going to talk about is very, very similar. Um, we are getting into the holiday season and, a fun little fact that I think not a lot of people really know about me is I really do like the holidays. I really like Christmas. I really like Thanksgiving. Um, and I, I love decorations and, uh, being nice to one another and, uh, snow and hot chocolate and everything that really just goes along with winter cheer, um, is something that I, I am so for and being, being that, uh, heading into this part of the year, I was dealt a, a, a tough blow for myself personally. And, uh, I've been able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and have great friends and family, uh, supporting me and helping me get by, uh, a, a tough time. And I, I'm hoping that, uh, going into the holidays now, Uh, Things will be looking up a little bit more for me, for you, for everyone that you care about. And, uh, you know, you can uh, help a person who might be having a tough time about things. Maybe they lost someone close to them or maybe this time of year just makes them sad. And uh, you can go out of your way to really help someone. And uh, I think that that's a super important thing to do uh, to to one another. and uh yeah that's that's that um joel anything you want to plug no (laughs) no all right (laughs) well well i won't plug myself then too uh but i will plug the the podcast uh make sure that you follow us on our social media we're on twitter at united we drink instagram at united we drink pod we're also on facebook facebook.com slash united we drink uh, you can subscribe to this show on any of the major streaming services, any podcast apps of your choice. We're on them. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, Overcast, any of those. Uh, we are on there. Um, we will be back with a brand new mini episode next week. Uh, Phil will be back then. We'll do some Q&A. So if you have any questions for us over here at the show, go to our contact page on our website unitedwedrink.com or send us an email info at unitedwedrink.com and we may read it and answer it on a future episode uh buy a shirt sticker or button at unitedwedrink.com slash store uh and then in two weeks we'll be back with a brand new main episode where we'll be talking about bucket lists our personal bucket lists of things that we want to do in this industry i think that could be a really fun one 
until next week, we'll see you next time. Happy Thanksgiving, safe Thanksgiving, safe Black Friday, Cyber Monday, uh, Tubular <laughs> Tuesday, or whatever uh, is coming up. Uh, but uh, take care, everyone. We'll see you then. Hell Satan. Cheers. I get yelled at every single fucking time.